1 through 10 together of Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bible turned there, if not, the words are printed uh, there in the bulletin. This is God's Word. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege to meet together this week, week in and week out, to worship you, uh, to set our hearts and our minds on the things of God. And uh, I pray that you would bless your word to our hearts. I pray that you would uh, make it alive as it is alive, that you would make it alive unto us. And I pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, So much about life, so much in our lives is about expectations. No matter what age you are, no matter what stage in life, expectations play a huge role in how we live, how we react, how we measure things. And uh, there are all kinds of ways that expectations shape and shade our experiences in life. Um, here's one way. Maybe this is, this is the way that you uh, react at times. Some people can get so excited about an event, so excited about something that's coming up. Maybe it's a concert, maybe it's a big trip, maybe it's some special activity that they look forward to it. They're even dreaming of this event for days and weeks and months ahead, and then the day arrives. It's finally time for this amazing event that they've been looking forward to. They get so cranked up, so excited and nervous at the same time, You just want everything to be perfect. You want it to go well. And then uh, there's a little hiccup in the plan. Then something goes a little bit wrong. And, uh, you know, from outside, it's not that big a deal. But it's tempting for folks sometimes when they want everything just to be perfect. When something goes a little bit wrong, to be anxious or to be angry, and sometimes that happens, something gets off a little bit, and it's, it's difficult or it's hard to enjoy that thing that you've been looking forward to for so long. Um, other people try to manage their expectations by having low expectations all the time. Maybe you know someone like this, maybe this is actually you. 
uh, it's something that I, I, I do sometimes. And, and you, you build it up like this. You know, it's not going to be that fun. It won't be a big deal. And then when you have like an, a, an okay time, you can convince yourself, actually, it was pretty good. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. This is one of the ways that I'm tempted to view life. And at least for me, I think it's a cynical form of self-protection. I don't know how those expectations work in your life. Expectations are a big part of how we react, how we live, how we think about the world. It's true about the way we live our lives and the way we interact with our family and our friends and our jobs. Expectations play a huge role. And there are all sorts of things that we could think about together this morning when we look at Acts chapter 3, when we look at the first 10 verses of Acts. There are things that we need to remember. Uh, One of those things is this, that Acts uh, chapter 3 verses 1 through 10 is actually connected to uh, the rest of Acts chapter 3. It's, It's really one event. There's an event that happens and then a sermon that's preached in response. So... Uh, that means that you have to come back next week to hear the second part. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is, so you have to be here. Um, another thing that uh, we need to think about as we look at Acts chapter 3 is, is this, that, that God's plan, God's purpose is continuing to unfold. Remember, Scott preached about this a month or so ago, about how there was a promise from Jesus, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. And this section is outlining part of the answer to that promise. Part of the answer to the promise of the gospel going forth in Jerusalem. And uh, it's interesting, this, this gospel does progress in Jerusalem, but there's also... Uh, difficulty as God's people preach the gospel and the kingdom of God grows. There are things that we can think about together about how the theme of this passage is repentance and restoration and refreshing from the Lord. There are all sorts of things that we could consider that we should think about when we look at Acts chapter 3. But I want us to think together about expectations. I want us to think about the expectations that Peter and John had as they went to the temple, the expectations that this man had as he waited to receive alms from people that came to to worship God at the temple. And uh, one of the things that we see here, I believe, from this text is that this man got way more than he bargained for. This man who was paralyzed... His wildest dreams were, he probably didn't even dream this dream that he could walk and jump and leap. And one of the things that I want to suggest to you this morning is uh, that we all have expectations in life. We all have hopes, we have dreams, we have things that we want, things that we think that we need. And uh, what I want to suggest to you is that Jesus Christ is the only one, trusting in Him is the only place where all of the expectations in our lives can not only be met, but be blown out of the water in a good 
and in a gospel way. One of the great joys of Christianity, one of the adventures of being a Christian in the Christian life is that we get to follow Jesus and walk with Jesus the rest of our lives and into eternity. And uh, we get to see Jesus shape and change and blow up our expectations of what real life is all about. So let's look at the passage together and see, first of all, we see some guys coming to the temple. First of all, coming to the temple. And as this story unfolds, um, you see Peter and John coming to the temple and you see this man who was paralyzed from his birth. Let's first of all look at Peter and John. Verse 1 says this, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And if you look in the footnote of your Bible, it says that's around... Three o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour. That was the time for the evening sacrifice when the evening sacrifices began. And and this was important because this was the time in the tradition of the Jewish people when folks would come to God to pray, to lift up their requests to Him, to bring their burdens to Him. This is a time when they would bring their requests to God. And it's interesting, we saw this a little bit last week. Uh, one of the things that we saw was that, that early Christians, they went to the temple. This is a normal part of their lives. They went, as it says uh, in verse 46 of Acts chapter 2, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So coming to the temple was part of the normal life of these early Christians. You ever thought about why? Why were they going to the temple? It wasn't because they were going to offer lambs or sheep or goats or bulls as blood sacrifices to God. They didn't go to the temple because they were committed to the ceremony and service and worship of God that was outlined in the Old Testament. These early Christians couldn't explain all the details, but they they knew that Jesus Christ and his life and his death was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament promises, they went to the temple day by day so they could talk to people about Jesus. Peter and John and these other Christians went to the temple so that they could tell people that the one you're waiting for, the one that all of this temple worship is about, David's son, yet David's Lord, the long-expected prophet, is Jesus Christ. He was living among us. He was crucified by us. He rose again in victory and glory. To put it in modern terms, they went to the temple so they could share the gospel with people. So they could evangelize. And Jesus said it like this, The servant is no greater than his master. If they persecute me, they'll also persecute you. And as, as the gospel grows in Acts chapter, chapters 1 through 8... There's also opposition to Jesus and his followers and his gospel. But I think it's clear to see that when Peter and John went here and these early Christians went to the temple, they expected God to do something. They went with expectations. They expected him to be calling people to himself, to build his church, to grow His kingdom. 
I think that's something that we can learn from Peter and John and these early Christians. It's so easy for us to look at people in this world, to look at our neighbors, to look at our family, our friends, our co-workers and think, they're not interested in the message of Jesus. They're never going to believe the good news of the gospel. They won't change. They can't change. They won't respond. And I, I think simply seeing what these early Christians did and seeing Peter and John going to the temple for the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ can give us hope and courage that God is still working God is still changing people's lives. He's still working in the hearts of people that we would think, yeah, there's probably no way that they would be changed. They went to the temple with expectations. There's another man that came to the temple that day, and it was the paralyzed man. This man who, uh, the Bible says, he was lame. And as we read the context, it seems like specifically his feet and his ankles didn't work properly. We read that he was born this way, that his whole life had been spent in uh, living with this disability. Later on in the book of Acts, we read that he was over 40 years old, so his entire life was shaped and understood through this, the lens and, and the reality of the, this disability in his life. He, he wasn't able to come to the temple on his own, but his family or friends had to carry him there. And put him near the entrance so that people might give him money. So he was a paralyzed beggar. Probably most of his life, every single day, he came to this place to ask people going to worship God for a little money. So that he could help take care of himself and help give money to those who took care of him. I think it's fair for us to think and believe that uh, this paralyzed man, he had expectations too, right? Um, Verse 5 actually tells us he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from Peter and John. His expectations were probably very low. He lived with this disability and brokenness every day of his life. He'd never been in the inner courts of the temple. After feeling invisible and forgotten, neglected, and a burden to people that that were close to him, I'm sure that he had low expectations. And what we see in this passage is that something was about to change in his life. His life was about to be turned upside down in an incredible way. His life was going to be changed by Jesus Christ. And it's so easy for us to think about ourselves, to think about this world, to think about the situations that we face, and to have very low expectations about what God can do and what God will do in us and in other people. Maybe it's because of sin cycles in our lives and we feel like we get backed into a corner and thinking things that thinking that things will never ever change 
they're never going to get any better. Maybe we have such low expectations about what God's able to do because of the battles that we face or the scars that we have or, or the, the paths that we'd ha- we've had to walk as people and we just think, I'm damaged goods, there's no way forward, um, there's very little that God can do. Maybe you've been so wounded or hurt in relationships and you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? Are things ever going to change? I think it's fair for us to, to, to say that this paralyzed man had some expectations. They were probably very, very low. But what he wasn't expecting was to see Jesus Christ that day. There's this interesting interchange. You know, they came to the temple, but we also, in this passage, we see Jesus. And uh, it tells us that the paralyzed man saw Peter and John. And we can all kind of identify with this, right? We can see this unfold. You've been walking down the street before, and there's a homeless person or a beggar or someone who wants money, and they see you, right? You've seen this before. And you, you realize it, oh, they've honed in on me. They see me. They're coming to ask for something. He saw them. He asked for money. But then there's an interesting thing that happens in verse 4. It says that Peter directed his gaze at him, and so did John. And Peter said to him, Look at us. So he, he asked for money, and then as he got as they got closer, you can see this part unfold as well. Uh, he probably lowered his head, maybe in shame, maybe expecting some money to come from them. And they said, "Wait a second, look at us." They both looked intently at this man, and. And it says in verse 5 that he, he, he realized, he fixed his attention on them, and he was expecting to receive something from them. And them looking at this man, I mean, it got his attention, they connected with him, but I think in a small way, it, it highlights the dignity and the glory of God's purposes in the gospel message. He looked at them, and he expected to receive money. Okay, I've got a taker. He's going to give me some change, and uh, first came the bad news from Peter. Uh, I have no silver or gold. And the, the guy was probably a little bit disappointed in that. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And uh, this is the best news that this man has ever received in his entire life. And it, and it highlights the, the sovereignty of God in healing this man, but it also highlights his response. You know, he said, rise and walk, and then he took Peter's hand and he stood up. I'm sure he could have said, that's ridiculous, I can't walk, there's no way, I've never walked in my life. But when Peter and John told him to rise and walk, and, and Peter reached out his hand for him, the man took his hand and he rose and he walked. 
And it's interesting, I said that uh, this man saw Jesus, and you might have thought, well, Jesus isn't in this passage. We're in Acts. We're not in the Gospels. But uh, he did see Jesus, right? I mean, the power by which he was healed was through the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the same thing happens today, doesn't it? You know, when, when someone believes the gospel message, when they hear that uh, there's life in Jesus Christ, they don't say, wow, Josh, that message that you created is incredible. No. There may be a person that shares that message with them, but, but they see Jesus. Still happening today, 2,000 years since he walked on the earth. You remember this hymn? It's a beautiful hymn. May the mind of Christ my Savior. May his beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win. And may they forget the channel, seeing only him. He received the ability to walk. And it was through the power of Jesus Christ. And God's still working in this world. God's still working in us. God's still working in and among us. And, and the same is true, not just when people come to faith in Christ, they see Jesus. But it's also true when people uh, in the Christian life as well. When someone in the body needs help. And people rally around them and love them and care for them. They see their friends, they see people from the church, but what do we really see? At the bottom line, we see Jesus. When someone's suffering or battling or even running away from God, and we rally around them and we bring them food and prayers and encouragements and cards and flowers and even warnings... People see Jesus. Maybe you've been in that situation before. You can't tell all the people that came to the hospital or came by your house. But you can say, Jesus took care of me. Jesus was with us. Jesus was with me. This man saw Jesus through the mercy and grace of Peter and John, but he ultimately saw the power of God through Jesus Christ. And the last thing I want us to think about is this, that uh, he was jumping for joy. Uh, We get this with sports. You know, you jump with victory. When I first moved here, uh, the Saints were on a tear in 2009. They were on their way to winning the Super Bowl, and uh, we had a party for the college students at our house uh, to watch the NFC Championship game. And... uh, when the Saints intercepted the ball basically to seal the, the victory, um, my house was bedlam. There were people jumping on our couch, jumping off of furniture. People ran out into the street yelling and screaming. People were jumping up and down in victory. And... Uh, I'm sure that we've all gotten news that's so great, it's so tremendous, it's so exciting that unscripted, unplanned, unrehearsed, we jump up and down in victory, in celebration, in joy. When uh, 
when Meg was, uh, we got the acceptance letter that she got into the East Baton Rouge Parish Magnet Schools, uh, Sarah and I jumped with joy. And we were in the driveway jumping up and down together. I'm sure we looked like absolute fools. And uh, it's beautiful to see here that after he rose and walked, um, at verse 8, look at verses 8 and 9. Leaping up, he stood, he walked, he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God, walking and praising God. Just in case... You weren't sure what happened. It says three times that he walked, two times that he leaped, two times that he praised God. Um, and, and this is, it's incredible. This man was, he was changed. There was no doubt. There wasn't even the shadow of a doubt that he was healed. And uh, he would learn more about who Jesus is and exactly what it was that Jesus did for him. But even now, the thing that he did first, he leapt He jumped, he walked, and he praised God. And uh, one of the the blessings about being a pastor is you get to study the scriptures. And uh, so I studied this, and I read commentators, and they kept saying, you need to go read Isaiah chapter 35. Now, I've read Isaiah 35 before, but when I read it, I thought, I've never read this before. And uh, it's a beautiful chapter about the blessings of the Messiah, the blessings of God's deliverer. Here are some of the blessings of the coming Messiah that are listed in Isaiah 35. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer. You ever seen a deer jump? They can kind of like jump over a five or six foot fence with no sweat. Sometimes deer jump and leap for no apparent reason. And this man leapt with joy because Jesus Christ had given him healing. And it's, it's really, it's beautiful how this fits into God's plan because uh, there was a scene. Everyone knew this guy. Everyone knew about the man that sat in front of the beautiful gate and asked for help. And everyone saw that he was healed. You see, his, this healing was serving as a a spotlight or a megaphone shining the light on the work of Jesus Christ. Shining the light on the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised one. It pointed folks to the power of God. Many people uh, here, many of us have seen God working in incredible ways in people's lives. Maybe you've experienced the power of the gospel in your life. Maybe you've seen in other people who looked like they were trapped in a cycle of sin that they could never get out of. Maybe you've seen God help people that go through terribly difficult situations, yet God is with them. 
and God helps them. Maybe you've seen people or maybe you've been able to forgive someone who hurt you in such a deep way. What do we see in all those things? Not how incredible those people are. We see the power of God. See, it's God's work. God is the one that's changing people. And it's his work, and we need to look in expectation to see what he will do. Um, In closing, uh, if you've been a Christian for very long, you've probably come face to face at least one time in your life, maybe several times probably, when... You read what the Bible says, or you talk to a Christian friend, or you hear the pastor preach, and you know clearly what God's Word says, and what living in line with the Gospel means. But then there's this part in my life that I don't want to change. I don't want to give up. And so there's this tension, right? There have probably been times in all of our lives where we see what the Word of God says and then we see something that we think that we have to have in order to be happy, in order to have joy. You guys have experienced this? Okay. Nod. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, Jesus and his disciples ran into the same thing. Remember when uh, the rich young ruler came and, and he went away sad because Jesus told him to give up all of his possessions and follow him? And, and this blew the disciples' minds. And they said in Mark uh, chapter 26, who then, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 26, they were astonished and they said to Jesus, who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And Peter said to him, We've left everything to follow you. And this is one of those faith crisis moments for the disciples. In verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake in the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, land, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Following Jesus is not easy. There are times when what we think we need comes in conflict with what God says is best for us. Our expectations um, sometimes don't fit up with God's word and God's way. But following Jesus is worth it. He can take those expectations that we have and all those things that we think, if I don't have this, then I can't have real life. He can take those away And he gives us himself. What are the areas in your life 
where you have little or no expectation that God will ever work. What are the parts in your life where you simply said, it's never going to change. It's never going to get any better. Let this passage serve as a, uh, as a reminder that Jesus Christ can do way more than we ever dreamed. He can work in us and work in other people in ways that uh, are so much better. We don't even have a category for the way that Jesus can blow up our expectations in a good way. Looking to Jesus in honest and humble expectation may be the hardest thing you've ever done. Maybe you think that hope and a way out is impossible. But Jesus can work and he can transform our fears into fellowship with him. Following him and serving him is one of the greatest adventures and callings in the whole world. And as, as Peter and John, through the power of Jesus Christ, healed this man, God is still working in people's lives. God can work in your life. God's been working in my life. There's a whole lot of work left to do. But our expectations can be shaped and shaded by Jesus and his gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for revealing to us the way that Jesus in the Gospels and Jesus through Luke and or through John and Peter uh, transform people's lives. Give us the hope and the vision to believe that Jesus is still changing people, still transforming folks, still at work in powerful ways. And uh, pray that you'd help us to see that through the power of the Holy Spirit. In, in his name we pray. Amen. At this point, uh, we'll take up an offering to support the work of our church and the missions that this church supports. And as we take up the offering, uh, there'll be an offertory song. We invite you to sing along if you know it.